It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Perception, perception, the show. Now, James Cole and Matt Harmon. It's Halloween as we are recording this. I figured this would be a good time um, to visit some forgotten young guys who are back from the dead. Uh, some young receivers, young-ish, I guess, receivers, you could call them, uh, for some of these guys that are popping up a little bit after, for most of these guys, literally doing nothing to start the year. So let's start with uh, Paris Campbell in Indianapolis, like on the other side of that Terry McLaurin performance. You know, Paris Campbell over the last three weeks has been really involved in, um, you know, the last two games with Matt Ryan, the last Matt Ryan games in Indianapolis. It was like, all right, he's getting like little bunny hop passes. Um, they're just throwing the piss out of the ball, like the second highest neutral pass rate in that span. This is not going to continue when Sam Ellinger is back in there. And it wasn't the same statistical performance, but man, I, I was watching almost all of that game yesterday because I have a sick attachment to the Washington Commanders because of so many guys I like on that roster. Paris Campbell is still popping up with like yak plays, like big plays. And that was my takeaway watching that offense is like Paris Campbell included, like they have a lot of guys who can make plays for him there. Yeah, they do. And you know, you pointed out because like Paris Campbell had three touches yesterday, but he took those three touches for what is it, 71 yards? He had two catches yeah. and a rush. So the guy's got juice, and the way he was being used reminded me of like kind of like a souped up Jarvis Juice Landry from way back in his mm. Dolphins days, where he was not catching a lot of, you know, deep or interesting targets, but he was able to get yak and it was a PPR <laughs> machine. I mean, what, like you said, the Colts were throwing an absurd amount those last two Matt Ryan games, but. Uh, Campbell had 23 targets still over that that run, which is a, is a pretty sizable share. I, we'll have to see how it shakes out with Ellinger in there, but I, I don't know. I wasn't totally buying it. I guess when Matt Ryan was in there, I wasn't sure it was going to sustain. But now with the quarterback change, I'm even I'm even less optimistic. But it was good to see like a, a pulse pop up on Paris Campbell for a couple games. Yeah, he's ninth among wide receivers and targets in the last three weeks. Like most of those were the inflated Matt Ryan games because Michael Pittman is third among wide receivers and targets in that span. Um, I still think Michael Pittman, who, you know, we kind of got a lot of what I was hoping for with Sam Ellinger. That was just like, just go in there and target the hell out of Michael Pittman. Now he did get tackled at the one yard line. I'm still pissed. That was not a touchdown. Come on, man. Just, just come on. (laughs) They couldn't give it to us, especially in a league where I had Sam Ellinger starting in a two QB league and Michael Pittman. I was, I was tilting off the planet on then. But I'm optimistic for Sam Ellinger and what he could maybe do to this offense. Like, I thought he threw the ball pretty well in his first start. He had a couple nice deep targets. And obviously, I mean, he's a sixth-round pick with minimal experience in the NFL. So it's going to take him a little bit to get settled in. But there were were some reasons for optimism. And uh, I just don't know how much that optimism in his performance might lift players like Paris Campbell, too. It might be a spot where Paris Campbell is a much more – interesting and viable real life football player than fantasy football player. That's kind of where I'm at with, with Paris Campbell is that I think I've never actually been the biggest Paris Campbell guy because I think he's 
like just a gadget player. I don't think he's really like a real wide receiver, but that's great. Like, you know, you need like 10, 12 targets from these gadgety guys. Think of like Rondell Moore. You need like eight targets at a minimum with Rondell Moore because he still has like a 1.3 A dot or whatever, like la- against the against the Vikings yesterday. Um, so like you need, that's not going to come with Paris Campbell, but the juice plays can still be there. So I think you summed that up really well. And Alec Pierce still a guy like, um, that's like, I kind of get why they keep trying to just drop a veteran quarterback in there and just like, let him go. Cause they've got dudes who can make plays. Even Naheem Hines still has like one or two crazy plays out of the backfield every now and again. So, um, I'm, I'm not going to like be buying the Paris Campbell thing in fantasy, but I think it helps the Colts a lot. And I agree with you. I thought Ellinger looked pretty good. Like there was even a pass that, by the way, Michael Pittman should have caught that pass, um, right before the end of the game that I was like, Oh, that was that was about as open as it can get. And, you know, maybe we're still talking about it, you know, them driving into field goal range at that point. So uh, we'll see what happens with the Colts going forward. Another guy I wanted to bring up Terrace Marshall. I mean, dude, I have never been a Terrace Marshall uh, believer in the NFL. I liked his prospect profile, but you know, last year in reception perception, he was like in the basement against man zone press, you know, all of the coverages. Right. Um, So was not expecting much, but he pretty much had the best game of his career against the Falcons yesterday. Yeah, and it was funny to see him pop off because after fantasy Twitter Twitter basically put him in the Hall of Fame last preseason, uh, I had kind of forgotten about him uh, based <laughs> yeah, on all yeah. those tweets. Because then he, as you said, he, he had a terrible uh, RP profile and didn't do much in the NFL. I really have no idea what to make of Terrace Marshall's breakout. I don't know if it was a product of that crazy, like actually very entertaining game between Carolina and Atlanta uh, down there in the in the wild NFC South. But, you know, I mean, he had nine targets uh, yesterday, which was uh, more than he had had the entire season up to that point. So I don't know if it was just he happened to get open, if it, they were all on. I didn't watch the game hyper-focused because it was more of a red zone game for me, but it popped up a lot. Or was it the product of some P.J. Walker extended plays? I'm not sure. Nine targets is, is you know, something that we should be take notice of if it sticks around. But based on Marshall's recent trajectory and just that offense in general, I don't know if I'm, I'm going to be buying in from fantasy or, or real life at this point, but Hey, good for him to have a nice game there. The the way I'll, uh, if I'm painting optimistic here with Terrace Marshall and like, they have pretty much made him a full blown starter, you know, 96.7 routes per drop back the last two weeks since Robbie Anderson was officially shown the door by the Carolina Panthers. The one thing that's different between this year and last year is like, they're having him play a lot more on the perimeter last year. They kind of wanted to make him a big slot. He was, sort of a big slot his last year at LSU, obviously after Justin Jefferson left. Um, But so far in this two game stretch, he's only played 11% of his snaps inside. He's been a pure outside receiver. And I think that like that fits so much better for Terrace Marshall. Like, I think if he's going to be a guy that's going to succeed in the NFL, he has to be like running go routes and running slant routes as an outside receiver. And also, by the way, this has made DJ Moore like a, not a full slot receiver, but a 37% slot guy, which is a lot more than we've seen in previous years. Like I've always hated the fact that the Panthers just toss old DJ Moore out at X receiver. Like that's a guy that they need to get moving around. And if Terrace Marshall can kind of emerge as an X receiver for this team, I think he can make a few, I don't know if he's ever going to be a legit starter, but I think he's, I'm feeling slightly more hopeful than I was Two, certainly two, three weeks ago with Terrace Marshall, where I was like, I don't even know if he'll ever make a blip. 
Yeah, the, those are good stats to to note. And I was actually going to try and see if there was a, a next gen stats route chart for Terrace Marshall. I'm going to shock you and tell you that there isn't, just to see what types of routes and things he was getting open on quickly. But while I was scrolling down to find him, I did stumble across DJ Moore's route chart. And not only are they using him in the slot more, but a lot of his big plays and targets appear to have come on plays in the slot. So that is encouraging, as you said, if Marshall unlocks that. And that does make more sense for the type of player he was in college and in the NFL. Like, the big slot is very trendy in the NFL if you can get the right type of player to do it. But not everybody has that type of body no, or skill set. And it seems like they were doing a square peg round hole thing with him there last year. So if he's feeling more natural and, and able to run the types of routes that he's going to succeed at better, maybe I'll be a little more optimistic. I Like I said, I didn't watch that game with a close enough eye. But if that's what the numbers are starting to point out, then then I'll, I'll you know tune in next week and see, see how he does. You know who'd make a great big slot, Gelhar? DJ Moore, DJ Moore, (laughs) (laughs) like like that guy, that guy should be doing the Debo Samuel stuff. Not the Debo Samuel's a slot receiver, but like he's a flanker slot guy. Like he could be doing the, the Cooper cup stuff. Um, DJ Moore could, I think so. And, and I, I, like I said, I'll never forgive Matt rule. I'll never forgive Matt rule for a lot of stuff, but the fact that they just made DJ Moore like an X receiver and never moved him around for like three plus years, unforgivable. Un- unforgivable uh the damn panthers my god man uh next guy i want to talk about here darius slayton darius slayton over the last two weeks 12 targets eight catches 124 yards gelhart to me it's a little weird i love almost like probably 99 percent of what brian dable and joe shane have done and mike kafka as office coordinator have done in new york it's a little weird that through all of this wide receiver chaos that they've gone through it took them kind of forever to land on darius slayton who is like a solid wide receiver four for an NFL team. And they were running out some practice squad bros at different times this year. Yeah, it it took a little while. I mean, I feel like Slayton has been good at popping up randomly throughout it. And I'm wondering if he gets a a larger shake like this, if he can make some plays because he's a guy that's, that's been on our radar a fair amount. I feel like over the every year for stretches, granted, whether it's health or other reasons, he hasn't like maintained that success, but uh, he's, he was the one on this list where I was like, well, did, did he ever really die? Or was he just kind of like, in the hospital for a little bit out of the hospital for your <laughs> Halloween fair. bit, you know, yeah. he, he's just, he's like a bit, maybe a hypochondriac or he's just always got something wrong. You know, one, one ailment he gets out and that triggers something else and he's back in. But, um, you know, it, that's it's, fair. It's the the reason I put him in there was because there were reports in training camp that they wanted to like trade him or pretend that he was potentially on the roster bubble, which felt weird. Cause we're you know, like we said earlier with the giants, like, you don't got an embarrassment of riches over there. I mean, you you have a lot of riches in terms of money you've shelled out to Kenny Kenny Galladay and like draft picks to take Kadarius Tony. But you know, it was just weird that they always were like so ready and willing. And Sterling Shepard too. You know, prayers up to Sterling Shepard. Force, force him out. Oh my God. Yeah, but uh, dude, yeah, it just was always a little weird to me that they never like really kind of landed on. Okay, we'll just play this guy now. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, even as just like a regular role player, I had forgotten about the rumors that they wanted to kick him out of town. I was like, well, this guy's been solid. Like, he's the kind of guy you'd probably want to keep in there, especially for your younger quarterback. But 
you know, he, he he's there. That's what we could say about Darius Slayton right now. He's he's there in the Giants offense. And uh, I'm hopeful that he keeps getting more opportunities. Yeah, actually, weirdly, in terms of the guys we've talked about for fantasy, I think Darius Slayton might have the most like staying power just because of the opportunity there. And I, I like Wandale Robinson. You know, he didn't have the big stat game against the Seahawks defense, which, by the way, I think we need to kind of recalibrate expectations for the Seahawks defense. That's a really, really good group now. That's a really young group that's now kind of, you know, maybe coming up from the basement of the NFL to being like, I don't know. 17th 18th best defense in the league right now something like that which is more than good enough with how their offense is playing so um i feel like wandell robinson and darius slayton give you some staying power there at wide receiver um last guy i want to talk about and i barely want to talk about this guy but chase claypool i uh, chase claypool is tied for 15th in the nfl in targets among wide receivers over the last uh, three weeks. He's tied for 14th over the last two weeks. Deontay Johnson, you know, oh my God, he's like seventh in this time span. You wouldn't know it, but I hate the Steelers offense, Gelhar, with a with a burning passion. Like the, not the players, whatever, but like the design of it, Matt Canada's offense. I hate it for a lot of reasons, but do you have any hope for Chase Claypool as a guy who, you know, can, I don't know, keep, keep, producing sort of kind of if he gets traded before the deadline i'd have a lot more hope in chase claypool but i'm with you the matt canada offense is super frustrating and it's not a you know secret in any circle of the nfl from pundits from you know analysts from armchair quarterbacks to even the rookie quarterback calling out the offense uh which is like impressive for kenny pickett and man is that damning for matt canada and that offense it's it's i don't know about k pickett though saying like guys don't study enough i feel like players are probably not going to, by the way, he's probably talking about Chase Claypool, but I mean, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah I don't know if guys are going to love that though. Yeah, I felt like there's maybe something behind beneath the surface for that, that maybe it's more of a guys aren't studying because they're sick of the offense and, and not motivated to play in it kind of thing. Maybe I'm being too generous to pick it, but you know, it's this offense is so frustrating and Claypool's got all the tools, but with an offense that's so like lateral and doesn't attack as much downfield or, or come up with other ways to use Claypool's athleticism. I'm just not hopeful. I don't want to have much, you know, buy into the, uh, the Pittsburgh offense in general. I've been watching George Pickens on my, my bench and occasionally in my starting lineup in some leagues, just like, what am I do? Why did I do this to myself yeah. in, you know, deeper wide receiver leagues, but maybe there'll be a change at some point, maybe next year. I don't know. They've got so many tools to be so mundane. It's, it's infuriating. Claypool might be a guy that at the end of the year, he could get, um, he could get traded. I feel like in, in the off season, probably not in the middle. I still, you know, Hey, this might come out after the trade deadline and I look like an idiot, but I feel like he'd be more of an off season trade candidate. And he's certainly not AJ Brown. He's certainly not Tyree kill. Like we talked about earlier. Um, he's probably about 10 tiers down from those players, but um, he could maybe make a difference somewhere else as like a bigger slot guy. But I don't know. I've been pretty frustrated with Chase Claypool. So I'm not buying that one. Honestly, I feel like the only one I'm, I'm buying for fantasy is Darius Slayton. Um, Same, and then the other right guy, like, <laughs> I think for like a real, I'm, I'll keep like the candle lit a little bit for Terrace Marshall, but not super hopeful. And then Paris Campbell, I think good real life player, but probably not much of a fantasy factor. All right, Gelhar, last thing here before we get out of here, teams were panicking on. Um, and I only say this because you're a Packers fan and I want to give you some time to talk about the Packers. Well, I, you know, that should be more between like me and my therapist probably to talk about the Packers, but Good I think it's, it's become, you know, you guys had me on a few weeks ago and we were talking about the Packers offense struggling then. And I had talked about how it could, you know, they have a thin margin for error, but it could work if 
Rodgers played more within the structure and actually threw to guys and they relied on the run and still not a lot of that has happened. They've suffered more injuries in that uh, passing attack. And then the defense, despite having still a pretty good passing defense, my God, are they horrible against the run? I don't know what it is every year with this team, but they, they have set themselves up in a position where this defense could work if the offense could score. You know, theoretically, the Packers would go down, eat up time, score a touchdown. Then, oh, shoot, other teams are going to have to throw against this great pass <laughs> defense, not run the ball. But the offense can't score, and every other team can just run the ball against them at will. So it's just a, a bit of a disaster right now. Uh, and I think, you know, Rodgers is to blame for it a lot, too, because he's um, he's not playing that well. He's not trusting any of his guys. You watch some of, like, the end zone angles or, or the all-22, and he's got guys that he could you know, hit the bottom of his drop and release a throw to, but he's so he's either not trusting of them, that then he's getting skittish and running around or he's just flipping it out there too early to like a check down and it's just not working. So he's playing poorly. The wide receivers are, aren't great. It was good to see some flashes from, from Dobbs again um, on that Sunday night game, but man, this team is, is looking bad and there's no way they're going to win the NFC North. They're, they're no, so far yeah, behind they're Minnesota so far behind. now. And granted, you know, it's the NFC. Maybe they can sneak into a wild card, but it's doubtful. So I think this team is going to have to take a lot of, uh, you know, tough looks in the mirror and make some decisions come come the end of the year. But yeah, they, they have been a massive disappointment from obviously trading Devonta Adams is, is a huge loss for a player of that caliber. But you would have thought given the consistency, Lafleur, Rodgers, those running backs, they'd be able to put it together a little bit more. But my God, is it is it t- a tough watch sometimes? <laughs> I think on the other side of it, like teams I'm panicking on, the Raiders at this point, I'm I'm very concerned about what's going on in Vegas. And I feel like it's sort of gone under the radar with how many NFC teams are disappointing right now. But the Raiders have won two games this year. And I mean, these la- like they go 0-3 to start. Never a good sign. You always put yourself in a hole. You go in 0-3. Um, they win against the Russell Wilson-led Broncos congratulations um you know they have a competitive game against the chiefs but then and then they beat the texans that's great that's great but then to get blanked by the saints you know the andy dalton led saints who have a ton of injury their pass rush is still good in new orleans and it looked better the last couple of weeks and especially against the raiders who have a terrible offensive line um but they're they're missing players in secondary like marshawn Lattimore has been hurt uh for the new orleans saints and you know for their target distribution to look like it did you know, over the course of the season and especially uh, against New Orleans, very concerning. I'm, you know, Devontae Adams has been pretty decent so far this year. I mean, 28%, 29% target share, but, you know, Matt Collins is at like 17%. I know they've had injuries, but I mean, for Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro to be like, and especially Renfro, I know he's he's missed some time, but still he was out there last game just not getting any volume. Like, we always say that sometimes it doesn't have to be that hard. Like you just need to throw the ball to your good players. You just need to get the ball to your good players. Like the giants don't have a lot of good players, but they get the ball to Saquon Barkley all the time. Cause he's one of the, he's their good player. The Raiders are not doing that. And it's very concerning. I think for the Josh McDaniels experience for the Derek Carr experience, a lot of open questions there coming towards the end of the year. I mean, we were told that Josh McDaniels had learned his lessons from his last time as a head coach. And as you put it, getting blanked like this is a bit, they had 183 yards of total offense against the Saints in a 60-minute football game, 183 yards. There were a number of players this week that topped that on their own. So it's just, it's mind-boggling that they've been so bad. Like you said, with the talent, um, I, I just don't, I don't understand what the issues are and, like it's gotta, it's gotta be coming down to McDaniel's or the scheme or something. Like 
last year this offense was fun uh, with Renfro and Waller when that was like all they had. And and they would keep pace with good, with good offenses regularly. You know, they beat the Chiefs. They went, they had an excellent game at the end of the season with the Chargers. You know, the one thing their their team could do was put up points. But this year that to, for the offense to just completely fall apart and be over-reliant on Mac Hollins and Foster Moreau, like what, Very Amir, Amir Abdullah, I heard his name for the first time, I feel like in three years on Sunday. Like what are, what are we doing, Josh McDaniels? What's happening? Raiders are a great call and they're actually below the uh let's ride denver broncos in the standings now so that tells you how bad not they where are you want to be that is not where you want to be all right gelhard this was awesome uh tell the people about what you got coming up in the rp notebook this week which is a great column on a great website receptionperception.com well i think we're probably going to hit on some of those big players uh this week from fantasy and, and what it might hold you know the christian mccaffrey move tony pollard aj brown kind of taking a look at some of those splash performances and what might be the takeaways from that and We'll see what other nuggets and and storylines pop up to me as I uh, get rolling on that thing here once we're done recording. Love it. All right. Well, people out there, definitely make sure you subscribe to the website, receptionperception.com. Got the rookie report in the works. That's going to be fun. Got a lot of information coming on all of your favorite rookies who are and are not popping off in fantasy, and we'll be able to tell you why very shortly. Also, subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a five-star review. We'd love you for it. Appreciate you listening. We'll catch you next time.